Hey, brother. Hello, brother. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 7 of Match Wits. I'm your host, Steve, alongside my younger brother, Christopher. That's me. Do we have to talk in that stilted, like you're a robot cadence? Or is that something you were just doing to change <laughs> it up? I was trying a, a bit to change the way I talk. <laughs> like Christopher Walken. At the, the beginning. Had no tail. <laughs> I wish I could talk like Alan Rickman. Don't, Don't lie, lie to me. To me. Potter. All right. <laughs> so it's on 60 minutes. <laughs> I'm still fighting a thing, so I'm going to cough. This is going to be like the horrible audio. Oh, and for those oh. listeners who listen and try to make it to last week's podcast. And now you just seized up again. Fix it. Um, it what? It seized up again. Ah, oh, fuck it. Go ahead. No, I was fine on my end. Okay. Then just go. <laughs> but for those who, who, who tuned in last week or to last week's podcast, episode six, where we talked about uh, villains with my daughter, Maya, um, there were some audio issues with that I'm going to try to fix. I tried something different, and it obviously didn't work. And Chris and I are trying to battle through something uh, maybe this week with audio as well, but we'll see how far we get. So if you're new, Matchwitch is a nostalgia-infused pop culture podcast where we talk about a bunch of different topics. Uh, I typically cover the nostalgia and Chris, the pop culture. Uh, we also do a thing called the what we call the dimwit bet. It's where Chris usually only challenges me on things that he is 100% sure he knows how to do. <laughs> so with that, last week I lost a dollar bet regarding the, the, the names of the three teams on Laugh Olympics. So Chris is um, $6 in the hole to Chris. Yeah. So... Uh, this week's episode, uh, we're going to touch on um, game shows. Uh, we're going to go into talking all about uh, really like 80s game shows in particular because game shows have gotten completely out of whack here in modern culture. But I want to go into uh, – I want to talk about you know childhood growing up watching in game shows. But before before we do that, there's a couple of things I want to I want to jump into um, with Chris just because we didn't have a chance to talk to him last week. Um so one is, um, and and this is a this is about a week late. This happened last Sunday, but one of my my, my favorite follows uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, he's a celebrity chef. He's been on Guys Grocery Games and Diners Driving and Dives. Carl Ruiz, who was who was a hilarious uh, Twitter follow. Uh, he's been on Opie and Anthony. Opie and Anthony done their podcast, etc. Was a really funny guy. Passed away uh, last last Sunday. Um, uh, in Baltimore at the age of 44, kind of suddenly, uh, or obviously suddenly, you know, I had a heart, heart attack in his sleep. Um, but one of the only reasons I went on to Twitter, uh, as Chris will attest, I don't post a lot to Twitter. We don't have a lot of followers, but that guy was a, that guy was a character. I've really lived life to its fullest, and uh, I was sad to, to hear that he had passed. Um, I don't know if you follow him at all, Chris, but if if you want to go back and kind of scroll through some of his uh, some of his, some of his tweets, it was it was pretty funny. Okay, we'll do. I don't actually follow him. I don't actually even know really who you're talking about. What's his name? Carl Ruiz? Carl Ruiz, and he had a hashtag Ruizing, which was typically <laughs> pictures of um, of like diner and, and bar food with a shot of bourbon and a, a beer chaser, typically a domestic beer, something like in the Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, Miller High Life family. So. Sure. Okay, now I'm looking at a picture of him. Yeah, I recognize him. Yeah, everybody recognizes him. You see him on all the competitive cooking shows, and yep. um, actually, from uh, he spent his time in. I think he had a cabin in the Poconos, um, but uh, a lot of time in Jersey. Just opened up a restaurant in New York, um, 
celebrating his Cuban heritage. But if you ever read again, read through his just really funny, really funny guy. It was a shame that he uh, he's passed. So I just wanted to recognize that. Um, the other thing I wanted to get into, Chris, before we jump into game shows, we didn't have a chance to talk, and I didn't want to talk about it with Maya last week because she has she doesn't really know who Dave Chappelle is, doesn't know his his legacy. But I did go through his his latest. Uh, at your recommendation, I think on, my, on, on the podcast uh, two weeks ago, episode five, I think you mentioned watching um, his Sticks latest stand-up. And, Sticks and Stones, the one where he's wearing the, the flight suit. The I think it's the Navy flight suit. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's got a – I think his last couple of specials he's worn that flight suit, which is, is kind of cool. Um, but I watched it, and it seemed like there was blowback. And, again, I don't spend a ton of time on Twitter. I don't follow – like – Whatever, it, but it just seemed like overall that that special did not land with everyone. Is that sure? Well, fair assessment. Yeah, well, especially now we're in this that stupid cancel culture where everybody like I don't understand why we as a society look at to comedians to be held to the same standard as the general public. Like comedians are supposed to push the envelope and supposed to say things that make us uncomfortable and question everything where that Chappelle show or spell special does exactly that it, it pushes the boundaries but he also makes some really salient points about how like the whole idea of the the guy not be, the I forget Shane I forget what his name is but he's a local Philly comedian who got mm-hmm. he got promoted to Saturday Night Live and that's like the big show it's like getting called up from the the minor leagues and making it to the majors and just because a couple tweets a few years ago he ended up not getting what was ultimately probably his dream where it was just a couple throwaway lines on Twitter. And that's one of the things that Chappelle touches on in Sticks and Stones. He talks about Kevin Hart is the only black dude in history that dreamed of hosting the Oscars. And he talks about <laughs> Kevin Hart is almost as perfect a person as you could, as you're going to find. And Dave Chappelle just says, and he's exactly four tweets short of being perfect just because <laughs> of right. what happened. And it's just, I don't know, because social media gives everybody a voice, doesn't necessarily make it make the world a better place because there's a lot of people that don't deserve a voice (laughs) right right well and so and i watched it right and i watched and and early on in the special if you haven't watched it stop the podcast go watch the latest Chappelle uh special and then come back here i'm gonna pick up like literally it's probably his second like he does he does like a kind of a a a hard you know hard starter it kind of comes in right off the bat but then he calls the audience out right at the beginning. Like, do you remember that? Like, he literally said, he calls the audience out on being, you know, like the cancel culture and all that. Like, he he calls his shot at the very beginning of this special, saying that the that you know people like comedians have lost their careers because of this cancel culture and all this stuff. So he calls it out at the beginning, and then he proceeds. To do like to, to go right up to the line, cross it a couple of times and go back, hmm. which I thought was from me was like brilliant art, but I also could see where about half of the people that like or maybe as a casual watcher were offended, sure. or you know, like they didn't, they didn't get the joke. Whereas he, you know, if he wouldn't have said that at the beginning, you would have been like, oh, this is this maybe is not landing, but he kind of went out at the beginning, went out of his way to say, Hey, I have a problem with the audience. I have a problem with the way you guys approach things. I have a, like, he kind of establishes that as the basis for what he's going to do. And then he does it. 
And he mm-hmm. does it in a way where you're like, I see what you're doing. And so it, it made it really smart, but it also made it really funny. Like what he talked about with Louis C.K., what he talked mm-hmm. about with, you know, again, the whole cancel – Kevin Hart, the whole thing, like is comedians used to be able to try material out without it showing up on social media and then getting hung for it. Now, sure. like it would be impossible to be a stand-up now. Like, there's cell phones everywhere, and you couldn't even go into a club and be like, I don't know if this bit is going to be too far over the edge. You know, like when you go try something and it doesn't work, you're like, and you get groans from the audience, like, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. Now if you do that, you get groans from the audience, it goes on Twitter, and then you might never work again. You might never work again. Exactly. Like where it's just the, the comedians, like that's, that's their job is to push the envelope and to make you feel uncomfortable. And that's where the, some of the humor comes from for some of these comedians. And now people are so scared to do that because that could be the end of your career. That's something you've worked your entire life for. Some joke doesn't land properly and some person takes offense to it and takes to social media and happens to have a decent amount of followers. That could end the career that you've been working night and day for 20 years to establish. And like that is scary, especially in in a time where everybody's on social media and everybody has their own opinions and everybody has their own agenda. And it's just, it's a, it's a weird, weird time right now with, with the way everything is going. And like, I don't know where, where ultimately we're going to end up or if this is just a phase that we'll grow out of, but right, man, it's, everybody's so sensitive and all that. So I, I, I recognize kind of the, the 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 smartness or the genius of what he did like yeah like i'm going to create i'm going to intentionally going to create blowback to create a point and the people who are going to get are going to get the people who don't are going to prove my point even more yeah and exactly and he, and he, and he did that i think i thought he did it pretty, pretty well and yeah uh, and he did it, I, he, I remember before you before you mentioned it oh go ahead no he he did it intentionally too like it 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 almost proves his point you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, he brings it up. He shows exactly why it's the system itself is flawed or the, the way everything exists. It has its problems now and then immediately goes into it. And then the people who take offense to it just prove his point. Yep. And they don't get it because they don't care. To, they don't need to get like they don't want to get it. All they want to do is get their agenda or or their point of view across rather than allowing people to like what they like. That's why I, so we went out to, uh, we went over to one of Brody's friends, parents house last night and he was talking, he was like, Oh, so you're a big movie fan. And he said, Oh, I said, yeah, I'm I'm a gigantic movie fan. I was like, you know, I studied it in college and I I've seen, I've seen a lot more movies than you probably think. And he was like, I don't want you to tell you my favorite movie of all time because you're going to lose respect for me. And I looked him straight in the face and I was like, I will never lose respect for you over something that you like, unless it's, uh, uh, unless it's one of those things that it's, even like if if it's insensitive to some people, you like what you like. So I brought up the whole guilty pleasure arguments. I was like, I don't necessarily be, believe in guilty pleasures. You f- shouldn't feel guilty about anything you like unless it's like sex with dogs or something. You should feel guilty about that. But everything else, film is art, comedy is art, and art is subjective to the person. So what I might love, like Fury Road, for, instance, for example, Steve doesn't particularly <laughs> like at all, but... That doesn't make my opinion right and your opinion wrong. It's just opinion based. Like that's why I never understand when people try to argue opinions. Like when I say I like something and everyone's like, "Nah, you're wrong." How can an opinion right, like taste be wrong? something that comes down to personal taste? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like some people like chicken, some people don't. Like 
it's okay. We yeah. can all have our opinions. Well, that's what he... So the Tim, the guy last night asked me, he goes, all right, so what's your favorite movie to come out in the past 10 years? And I was like, well, the nerd in me makes me want to think of something that's, you know, high art, was recognized by the critics. And then I took a second and I was like, but no, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that John Wick is my favorite movie that came out in the past 10 years. And he just looked at me and goes, really? And I was like, yeah, there's not a really... There's not a huge story in the first one. It's 15 minutes of setup and then an hour and a half of action because it doesn't apologize for what it is. And I appreciate those kind of movies so it's it is it's one of those weird times where you have to justify opinions that uh, we're we're heading down a slippery slope so exactly and and not to get too philosophical but um yesterday we went on a hike um and and this goes back to like just the twitter culture right and again no one's going to accuse me of being uh, spending way too much time on twitter I'm more of just, I consume content on Twitter, probably more so than I do with typical news sources. Uh, but we went on a hike yesterday. There's a place in, in Washington, not too, like 20 minutes from my house, called Franklin. It's a it's an old mining town that you can hike up to. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's all abandoned, but the mine's still there. Um, they're a little part of the track. You can see where the buildings used to be. Uh, and then there's also a grave graveyard there because 37 miners were killed in a, in a fire you know, a hundred years ago. And we went for a hike up there. It's a really nice hike. It's a beautiful time of year out here. And um, you go up there and you remember these people, like what they had to work for just 125 years ago, just to like get coal, make enough money to survive. They had no spare time and everything. And I'm like, why? Which which is funny because we have created the industrial revolution and the internet has created so much efficiency of time I don't know that we always spend it in the best way, right. particularly on Twitter. And I'm thinking because what I spent the hour before we went on the hike doing is watching the internet light up about the Browns game today. And this was yesterday when when we went on the hike, so Saturday. But we, you know, we had this riff where it's Rex Ryan versus Baker Mayfield, and is Baker Mayfield overhyped and all this? And I'm, I'm, at some point yesterday, I'm hiking. I was like, really? This is where I'm spending my time worrying about. Like who's tweeting about Baker Mayfield? Um, so it's just it's just one of those things when you put it in the context of perspective of how you know how we how far we've come in sure. a relatively short period of time, and we've created all this additional time for ourselves, and we and and we now we put it into things like Twitter and worrying about what Dave Chappelle says and worrying about what Baker Mayfield says. Right. And I think there's I think there's you know I think if everybody just went outside. Yeah, go outside. It's awesome. If Steve, if you, I I don't know how much you are on Instagram, but that's one of the things that I always hashtag in my photos because a lot of my photos are I take when I go do my hikes or I go and play outside or I'm going to do something else, and I always hashtag go outside. Like, and that's one of the things that I, I firmly believe is that people think that social media is real life, and it's not. It's carefully crafted reality television. It's all scripted or it's all done for laughs and people think it's real and it's just not the, the getting back to the baker mayfield argument is like all the people that are saying is baker overhyped were the people hyping him up in the off season to begin with <laughs> like it's right. all just clickbait and it's all just what can get the most amount of traction and get the most amount of eyeballs coming my way and then turning it around and using it yeah. not necessarily for nefarious purposes but for personal personal gain or or getting their their market or their brand across and it's just i I, 
I don't know. It's yeah. it's hard, especially for someone as opinionated as I am, and I'm usually pretty oh, entrenched right in my opinions that it's hard to argue with people now. Like most of the time, I just walk away. I just like, nope, I'm not. I'm not getting dragged into this anymore. So, right, and and to bring that full circle to where I started. So, I'm a big fan. And going back to like, if I'm if I'm going to look at something on Twitter, I'm a big fan of the obviously fake beefs, like the Ryan Reynolds Hugh Jackman. Right. That's those hysteri- like, those are hysterical. those are hilarious. Yeah. So uh, it, going back to Carl Ruiz, right? So do you, again, I don't know how much you watch Food Network, but Troy Johnson, who's on Guys Grocery Games, he's he's got glasses. He used to write for Rolling Stone. He's a food critic. You'd recognize yeah. him if you saw him. Look up Troy Johnson. Anyways, he, he was good friends with Carl Ruiz. So last week after Carl passed, he told the story about they were sitting out there tra- outside their trailers while they were filming. And he's and Carl was like, because Carl's got a great Twitter following or had a great tw- Twitter following. He's like, here, Troy, I'm going to get you a thousand followers. Watch this. And all he did was tweet at Troy Johnson with the hashtag Troy sucks and started this <laughs> and started this fake beef. Where he would he would comment on everything that Troy posted with Troy sucks, even though they were like really good friends. Sure, and he was just doing it to prove a point. So, I like stuff like that as opposed to the Cowan Cowherd, Skip Bayless. Like I've got to take an extreme position one way or the other, regardless if I believe it or not, because that's what's going to get eyeballs and that's going to get people to react. Wow. And this is all about this reaction, you know. Get a reaction out of somebody. So yeah, there's the cancel culture, and then there's the clickbait culture. There's <laughs> exactly one, the ones that are the the misleading headlines. It's like, oh my god, you're not going to believe this celebrity did this, and it's like he walked across the street to get a donut. You're like, oh come on, and all that means is another what three cents of ad revenue for whatever site that you clicked on, and it's just. I, like I said, Steve, everything has an agenda. Everybody yeah. has an agenda and everything is manufactured. And it's now when it used to be propaganda coming from a single source, it was more easily identifiable. And now everybody is contributing yep. their own version of propaganda. And when everything it's it's the same argument. It's like when everybody's special, nobody's special. It's the Harrison Bergeron. Yeah. It's the Harrison yeah, exactly. Bergeron. Yep. So now that you don't know, like even when people start calling out like credible news sources that vet their own information and it's the fake news culture is like because you don't agree with it makes it fake. Like that's not that's not the way things should be like the, the it's ensconced in in embroiled the media outlets that for 50 years have been credible are now being deemed uncredible by someone with an egg as their avatar and 13 followers. And it's just (laughs) right. Well, and it it just, it's all about overreaction, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, nobody's going to make any money if they're like, you know what? The Browns didn't play well this week. We'll get them next time. It's the coaches got to go. Baker's overrated, whatever. You know what I mean? And now, like coming off the game today, Browns played well, right? Yeah, and I can same same Browns that we saw. They executed on defense, offense just executed better, uh, and they handed it to Baltimore. Everybody, you know, Baltimore won. What do they won? Fifty nine to ten in their opener. Like, mm-hmm. and now everybody comes back. So Baltimore's the greatest team ever. Cleveland was the worst. No, they just and again, it doesn't mean Cleveland's that much better than Baltimore. They're going to play again in you know towards the end of the season. But today. Cleveland played well. Now are we going to go the other direction and say Baltimore sucks and Cleveland is great? 
You're going to see it on Twitter, right? Yeah, we're, we're not because we're rational adults, but the Twitter culture will. The, yeah. the knee-jerk reaction is that that's the narrative we're going to get for the next six, seven days. When I, I don't remember. Do we play Sunday next no, week? No, we play Monday night against uh, San Francisco okay. on, the, so on we, the 7th. We have eight days of listening to people with eggs as their avatars and 13 followers <laughs> talking about, oh, this is a Super Bowl contender now, or this is this is a fake win, and Baltimore wasn't as really good as we thought they were, and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Like, no. Lamar argument. Jackson is really good. Like, he's really he is, good. He, he, he did not play well today. Cleveland's got a really good defense. Mm-hmm. And really good defense it, considering we didn't have our two starting cornerbacks and our one of our starting safeties, and we still beat them up pretty good. Yeah. But like yep. even it, people look at the the forty to twenty five like oh it wasn't it, it should have been worse than that like we manhandled them up front for a large portion of that game and that's without getting anything from Miles Garrett and really not getting a whole lot of production from the, our big names and our 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 reserves played their asses off and but knee jerk reaction Twitter culture is going to be all right Baltimore was fake and blah 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 yeah. well that's the same argument that they said about Buffalo Buffalo was three and zero and they haven't played anybody. They played New England tough as hell today, and that's without that's with Josh Allen going out with a concussion and coming back in with Matt friggin' Barkley, who I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what was the I final could, score of that game? I, I saw that it was uh, sixteen to ten. Yeah, like that. The number probably one of the most high powered offenses in the in the in the league got shut down by mm-hmm. Buffalo's defense, and they hung with them. And everybody said the narrative always was that that what call it that they hadn't played anybody, and that three and zero was an illusion, but. They played the the Super Bowl or the yeah the championship favorites and played them tough as hell. So nobody knows, and anybody who claims that they do like hard and fast know what's going to happen is full of crap. So anytime says, "I know this is going to happen" or "This is one hundred percent guaranteed," is full of shit. Right. Well, and how about the uh, not to get too far in this, but I mean, the Lions played the Chiefs really tough, really tough. Like thirty four thirty, Chiefs won. I, know, I didn't. I just followed the score, but it was that whole game. It was close. Yeah, Detroit was up for the most part. The Mahomes didn't even have a touchdown in the first half. He was like fourteen for twenty eight or something, like fifty percent mm-hmm. completion with like one hundred and ninety yards in the first half. And this is a guy that usually throws three fifty easily with four touchdowns. And but who knows? Like the parity in the NFL is so great. I mean, outside of the Dolphins, but everybody yeah. else can beat anybody else any day of the week. That's why you play the games. Like. But even the Dolphins were hanging tight with the Chargers for a bit. I mean, they lost thirty to ten. But Sorry. again, anyways, um, yeah, it's just this whole overreaction thing. Now, put a bow on that piece. I, right before we started the podcast, I totally liked the Skip Bayless Baker Mayfield is underrated tweet. <laughs> I knew I knew it was clickbait. I knew, it, but it doesn't matter. Sure, and but but the problem is with stuff like that. It's like when you see people that I know are anti-Trump like Trump tweets. There's no I'm there's no button for I'm liking this ironically. There's no button like when you're watching something on mm. TV just for laughing about what a dumpster fire it is. There's no Nielsen setting or Nielsen rating settings for I'm watching this ironically. Oh, you're right. you're watching right. it. It doesn't matter. You're counted in a, in as a viewer, and it counts mm. in the ratings, which ultimately no, no. decides. But Skip Bayless said Baker Mayfield is underrated, not overrated. Oh, he said Baker you Mayfield. You said is, overrated. No, he said, oh, well, he came out and said Baker Mayfield is underrated. So, sure. Of course, I like that one. Um, uh, there was one other thing. Uh, the new trailer. Oh, and draft. Rex Ryan Rex Ryan coming out with the brown suit with the orange tie. 
Oh, I didn't see that, did he? Yeah, because Baker said if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. You don't matter. <laughs> Rex so Ryan he's wears wearing orange, orange and black. Brown. So, well played, Rex Ryan. Like, yeah. well played. And then Baker showed out and had a good game. So yep, Yes, he did. He looked much better. That offense looked much better today. Nick Chubb's a monster. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm don't. i worried about Jarvis with the concussion. But, man, he balled out today. He did. Um, he should have went down and got that ball, though. That was the interception. Sure. But whatever. W's yeah. a W, man. We're in first place in the division. Yep. And then the Monday night game, San Francisco. I don't I haven't watched a lot of San Francisco games, but they you know I think we've got three. a shot. I think we've got a shot against anyone. Sure. They're th- I mean San Francisco I think is three and too, but like they really haven't played anybody, but does that mean that they're good or not good? Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll see. see on Monday. But we're right. the Steve, but we're the anomaly because we're the wait and see. We don't have opinions. We're like, nah, we're gonna win it by fourteen touchdowns. Like, no, anybody can beat anybody on every given night. That's why we watch the games. Yep. So, so we've got another primetime game. We're two and two. We have you know, when was the last time Cleveland was five hundred? Yeah. We fi- were we five hundred at all last year? I don't think so, because I think we were we were so Oh, we far. couldn't have been because we had a tie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the first five game, first five games of the season, we had won or lost any one loss and tied any possible way that someone could win, lose, or tie a game. We won in overtime. We lost in overtime. We tied in overtime, and then we <laughs> lost in regular season or regular time, and we and we won in regular time. Yeah. It's the first time in NFL history that happened. Hmm. And it also, if you see, if you've been following the Indians, have you seen that the Indians are going to win like ninety six games and miss the playoffs? And it's like the only the second time since the wild card was established that a team has won more than ninety three games and not made the playoffs. Do you know who the other team was? I give up the two thousand five Cleveland Indians when they won <laughs> they won ninety five games and did make the friggin' playoffs. Oh right, right. That's yeah, brutal. That, that... Yep. That's how Charlie was almost named Grady. There's a whole story there. <laughs> we'll get into the, we'll get into that on another podcast. Grady Sizemore was awesome. Yes, he was. Balled out. Body couldn't take it. Anyways, so this week I was sick. I've been sick in a while. This is my, that was my natural segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about game shows, but I was sick. Like, and I, it's probably been three years or plus where I've been like, when I say sick, like it's chills under a blanket sick right yeah. like to the point where you're just like just, i just can't i'm just so cold like yeah, you can put 14 blankets on you you can be in a sauna and you're just your body like you just you're running a temperature you just don't feel good mm. um i haven't been sick like that in a while and it reminded me of like when we were growing up um and and so i worked from home i didn't i couldn't take the day off I had all these meetings but i you know i did spend a little bit of time on the couch curled up because i was just i was sick yeah. um but it reminded me growing up, and our, and our parents, right, more strict than most when it came to <laughs> missing school because of illness, right? And do you remember what their rules were? The cri- they had very specific as uh, – because, again, they were both registered nurses. Mom was a pediatric nurse, and Dad yep. was an orth- orthopedic nurse. Yep. They had very specific criteria. Do you remember what they were? I had to have a fever over 101, mm-hmm. was it, or 100? Or – I thought it was it was 101. I thought you had to either throw up or you had to have yep. something contagious, like a rash no, no, no. or had, chicken pox. No, no, no. You either had to – well, because that, that would go with that. So you either have to have a, a fever over like 100, 101 or be throwing up. Or be throwing up. <laughs> other than that, other than you, that, you're going to school. Do you remember when I made the fake puke? <laughs> when I took like moisturizer, mixed it with water, crushed up some 
uh, Flintstone vitamins to give it color so it looked like food and like left no. it, in a, it left it in a, in, a, in a cup under the sink and I didn't want to go to school the one day so I faked like I threw up and mom like came in and looked at it she like smelled it and it didn't smell like vomit it didn't really look like vomit she's like get up you're going to fucking school cough away from the mic but yeah no like that's how that's how my parents like that's how our parents were man like you you went to school it's the same way like with work like i get up and i go to work and like if they want to send me home then send me home but i'm coming in unless i'm dead like unless i'm pooping myself inside out or i can't (laughs) i can't keep anything down i I show up for work and then if they send you home then they send you home but right and i can work from home so there's no reason for me to go in the office and just get everybody else sick when i can do the exact same thing at home so that's what i did on monday and tuesday got through my meetings and everything but but the greatest but the greatest part of the sick day is was campbell's chicken noodle soup right or uh chicken and rice soup was my i actually preferred that chicken and rice was better a little creamier Uh, i think it was called creamy chicken with rice and the price is right or game shows price is right we lay on that nappy yellow and green striped corduroy type couch that we had yep and watch watch bob barker and any of the other daytime so when we can talk about game shows here we're really going to talk about 80s game shows we're going to talk about those that typically ran during the day um and it would be your 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 companion while you were sick laying on the couch being force-fed uh chicken noodle soup yeah chicken noodle soup and like tea like theraflu or something like that but yeah no the the price is right was like the highlight of you being sick. Eleven o'clock, you 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 hung out with Bob Barker and the Parker Beauties and and went along with that. But did, would you put that in the top your top five? Because I don't know if I would, Steve. Price is right. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's tricky. I don't. I didn't do a top list. I mean, I made a list of things, but like, we. I think we just need to dive into the Price is Right as a whole because there is a lot of stuff in the Price is Right. Right, so you touched on the Barker Beauties a little bit. That whole thing, as you got older, took a whole different turn if you were homesick, particularly if mom and dad were working, you know, like <laughs> and you're hitting a little bit older, like the Barker Beauties now, were the, there's a different allure to uh, The Price is Right than there was when you were like six or seven. Sure. Like Diane Parkinson was, I think, mine, most people's favorite. Um, yep, I was a big fan. Yeah. So, uh, but within the show itself, like the whole the whole idea, I'm going to play some audio here. Hopefully, it's not too loud. You had the whole kind of it came from the studio audience. So normal people like that was the whole thing it was this first of all it was a studio audience normal people and then they would have these games and you were winning like everyday things mm-hmm. like they, you know they gave away money but rarely did the games only involve money like when you spin the wheel and everything but they were giving things away i was like i watched one it was the first time that they've ever done the uh do you remember bump where you had like two double decker uh, English buses and you had four prices and you either the beauty either bumped it to the right or the other beauty bumped it to the left and you lined it up you had like a 50-50 chance of winning Yep. and the first time they ever did it was you could win a china cabinet <laughs> and a wet bike which was really like an early jet ski yep 
<laughs> and those were the prizes. Like you're like you're winning vacuum cleaners and you're winning, you know, Wa- a sofa and, set or bedroom wa- suite, like washer and dryer set. Yep. Yeah, you you were winning and stuff people needed. Like I mean, let's be real. I mean, it was stuff that you you needed, but you weren't winning. Like and sometimes you would get. I think they gave away vacations and stuff like that. But really. Pretty practical stuff. Yeah, um, well, like even the cars they used to give away, that you win. Like nowadays, you can win like BMWs or Jaguars and stuff on it. But like back in the day, it was like you can win a Pontiac Fiero. It was like okay, like <laughs> you're not winning a fifty thousand dollar car. You're winning an eight thousand dollar car. You're winning one of those Le Cars, the the French little Hugo knockoffs or whatever. You know, yeah. you're winning that kind of stuff. It wasn't extravagant, but we watched anyway because it was awesome. So Steve, what was wait, your wait wait wait? So hold so hold on. So uh, along those lines, right? And I and I can't play the audio here because it's so faint. But I did. I'm jumping ahead. But I did play an audio clip from another game show, and this was like a four time champ that was on, and he was getting ready to win the car, and he had winnings like uh, you know approaching, and they were making a big deal, eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> like. Or if you watch how the prices right has grown, like some of these games went from like five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. Now today, with Drew Carey, they're five thousand dollars for the same exact game. Sure, you know, thirty years later, we'll even look at Jeopardy, Steve. Like the way the the prices have increased on Jeopardy. Like I remember how big it was that Double Jeopardy would get all the way up to like five hundred dollars a question. You're like, wow, that is a ton. And now it's I think it's two thousand are the 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 top. The highest on the in the double jeopardy round, and like everything adds like an extra grand to it. So yeah, adjusted for inflation, yeah. everything seems to be going up. So what is your favorite Prices Right game, Steve? I know well, mine so, without a doubt. All right, so there's a bunch of them. I'm going to rattle a bunch of them off, right, and see if I can touch on yours um, or mine. So you had the putting game, right, where you would basically you could get moved like bob barker also always did the inspirational putt at the beginning because he was an avid golfer and he typically would sink it um and you would get closer and closer and if you sunk the putt you like you would either win 500 dollars medium prize or i think you could win a car if you if you got the long putt or the, the the final putt um Three strikes was a good one where you had to reach into the bag yeah. and you pull out a number, then you had to try to get it in the right order, and that was typically, I think, for a car. Um, spelling bee was one where you tried to spell out the word car. Yeah. Right? And you, it had like this bingo board, you pull them off. Um, there was another one called Any Number. Um, I don't remember that one. I think that what that one was. Um, I'm skipping over. Uh, the race game. Oh, not the race game. You had to match game? the four products and go pull. You had like four price tags. You had to match oh, yeah, them up yeah. with the products. Then you had yeah. to run back. It was like the it was like um, parkour or uh, um, what do they call it? CrossFit. Right? Yep. You had to run up. You had to put your four things and run back. Pull the handle. You got like one, two, three, or four out of. Correct. And if you got yep. four out of four, you want. want you had forty five seconds to match them up. So that was um, that was the race game. Um, punch a bunch. We had basically looked like a shoe rack with cellophane, and you had to punch. And then they pull out a piece of paper, and you can either keep it or move on. Yep. It was that. Um, we talked about hole in one or two. We talked about bump. Uh, ten chances. We had to kind of write the thing down, and we keep moving from left to right. You had to write down the numbers and get the right amount for, like, three different prizes. I do remember um, that. Safe crackers. We had to put the combo in of the prize, and then you pulled the thing and, t- and spun the safe to see if it would open. Yep. Plank so, Come on, man. You yeah, that so one. I was going to say, so the, so the top ones for me, there's three of them, right? So there's Plinko. Yep. 
right? Where you dropped, you, you know, you won chances and you went up to the top and you dropped it trying to get it in 10,000 in the middle, right? You had Pathfinder. Which one was where, Pathfinder? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Is that not, the not, Yodeler? No, no, the Yodeler was... Um, cliffhanger, uh, right? Cliffhanger, right, 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 right. Um, which that one was that one was awesome because you would get to the top and then the guy would fall over the edge and and, and that one um yeah. but the dice game oh i did like the dice game i forgot so, about that yeah so you roll the dice and if it this was for a car if you and you'd match you the number matched you got it automatically otherwise like if you rolled a four you had to say you would go in order moving from the thousandth spot down and you'd have to say, oh, is it above or below? So if you rolled a six or a one, you were good because you could just say above or below. Sure. And that was always a cool one. Do you know that Aaron Paul? I do. I do remember. Like, he missed. He had a four as the final. He went. I think he went below and it was over or something like that. But he, he was on. Before he was famous, he was on and he did the dice game. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. And then um, the dice game, Plinko... Oh, and the mountain climber, yeah, which was called Cliffhangers. Cliffhanger, I love that one. I can still hear the the yodeler in my head. So, what, which one of those was your top? Plinko, without a yeah. doubt, without yeah. a doubt, I loved Plinko just because it, it was. I mean, there was tension in all of the games. Like all of the games had some kind of built in tension, but the as it hit and you were, you were trying to figure out, like, all right, it's going to knock off of this one and bounce down, and you like you got into it and you were rooting for the people even more so than any of the other games. So that's the one I always wanted to play, always. And then if you didn't win, I still I have that on my phone. Anytime someone says like a bad joke, I just pull that little audio clip up and play it really loud. I think yeah. that's better than the little drum hit that boom boom. I love that more so to or the, the the sad trombone app, which I'm a big fan fan of the sad mm-hmm. trombone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you want to hear, if you want to feel old, this is I, I got this sad trombone back from my my buddy Dan. Um, <laughs> it was his birthday, so I sent him a picture and said, "Hey." party like it's 1999 again and he couldn't look at the picture and then i looked at it because the picture was from 1999 it was a tiff (laughs) (laughs) he couldn't pull it like the text message like he couldn't pull it up on his phone i had to go into photoshop and convert it to a jpeg and then resend it to him so i got the sad trombone for that so yeah you want to feel old look back at your pictures like oh that's a tiff and it's like it was high res at the time and it was like under a meg Without looking, Steve, do you remember what what year Price is Right debuted? Nineteen seventy-two. Yep, you're right. My birthday. Was that a bet? Was that a no? No, that was not a bet. I said without looking. Could you answer it? All right, without looking. Who was the uh, who announced the names of the contestants? Oh, I'm not going to remember. It's been the same guy the entire time, right? Rod Roddy. Rod Roddy, all the way through now, right? He's still on it with Drew Carey, correct? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't watched. I haven't watched it. I didn't watch it when I was sick this week either. But it yeah. made me think of watching The Price Is Right. Yeah. All right. So other other game shows, right? So if if Price Is Right, I think from a quality of game show, like yeah, some of those games are like, ugh. yeah, it's know. but it's big, it's colorful, it's energetic. Bob's probably top, easily top five hosts of all time. You know what I mean? Like, everybody mm. knows Price is Right. Everybody knows the sad trombone sound. Everybody knows Plinko. And it's part it's part of the cultural zeitgeist. But some of the ones that I pick aren't 
up there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can name Family Feud and Jeopardy and all those ones. What I like about, to pick. What about today? These three players are at their big bucks, oh, but they'll have to avoid the worthy as they play the most exciting game of their lives from Television City in Hollywood. It's time to press your luck. Press your luck. Have you have you watched the reboot? <laughs> have you watched the reboot no. with Elizabeth Banks, dude? They they changed the final part of it. It is awesome, and like the prices, like the it the adjusted for inflation, like you can win a shitload of money. <laughs> and it's like they added the the final the final game is pretty is pretty intense. So if you get a chance, we watched it for a while, like right when it first came out. Like Elizabeth Banks isn't the greatest host in the world. Like she's gotten better as the show has gone on, but the final. The final part of Jeopardy is pretty great. Or I mean, of of pressure, pressure luck. luck. Yeah, the yeah. whammies, but they use they use all of the original animation for oh, the whammies. Those were awesome. It yeah. was that was that was a, that game was a lot of fun. It had a lot of energy in it. Yeah, um, I like that. I like Joker's Wild. Yeah, yeah. Where um, what was it? Knowledge is king, but Lady Luck is queen, or something like that. Where <laughs> you know you had a, like you had a, like you solved trivia questions and you earned spins, and then. Yeah, it was based on, uh, and that was like a part of the resurgence of what's his name, uh, Barry, the guy from the Gong Show. Uh, he yeah, originally did that back in the it, like there has been multiple incarnations of Joker's Wild. Yeah, um, Chuck Berry, Chuck, Chuck Berry, Chuck Barris, Chuck, Chuck Barris. Barry would be yeah, the, Chuck uh, Barry's John, the Johnny Be Good, yeah, the rock legend who used to fart in hookers' faces. Have you read that? Have you ever heard the audio of Chuck Berry farting in a hooker's face? You owe it to yourself to look that up. <laughs> I, I, dude, I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. They play it on one of the local radio stations in the morning all of the time. But it's like some woman recorded it, and he like used to hire hookers to fart in their face. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't need that. Yeah, there you go. You want, you want to sully your opinion of Chuck Berry? Like there you go. It's the fart in hookers' faces. It's not your to be cousin, with Chuck Barris. Yeah, it's your cousin, Marvin Berry. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, they had to make that clear that there was a connection. Like they had to be very. That was a well done technique to make. Oh, Chuck Berry, Marvin yeah. Berry. Yeah. Um, card sharks. Eh. They tried to Not, reboot that too with higher that. or lower. Yeah, they tried to reboot that with Joel McHale, and I don't and, think it it did very well. I think they've tried to reboot all these. Sure. Um, uh, and it changed in dollar amounts. The pyramid. The. Yep. Ten thousand, twenty-five thousand dollar pyramid, and wasn't it sixty-four thousand at one point? Some... Sixty-four thousand dollar question. Is that what it was? I, yeah. I don't remember, but I I always used to say that in, in college. I was like, "But the sixty-four thousand dollar question is," and everyone would be like, "What are you talking about? Why is it sixty-four thousand? I just always remembered that number was just so arbitrary to me that it always stuck in my head. But yeah, I don't the, remember um, if that was from pyramid or that, what. And that and that goes into. Hmm? I don't remember if that was from period or not, or pyramid. No, there was, was a game called the sixty-four thousand dollars question that was like oh, in was the sixties. Yeah, okay. Um, and then that gets into the whole. There's a whole like subgenre of uh, of game shows with celebrities, right? So you had pyramid. So typically, you would you get matched up with a celebrity who's going to read you clues. And, this or, you is, know, and, and these are the same level of celebrities that are on, like, Dancing with the Stars now. It was always, like, C-list celebrities, that you, like, daytime you gotta, you soap You would get operas. solid Bs sometimes. Yeah, C. Um, Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares would actually introduce me to people that I had no idea were actually, like, famous. 
Like I didn't realize that. Uh, oh man, who's the really, really effeminate? Jim J. Paul- Bullock. Oh, Jim J. Bullock. Yeah, I didn't know who Jim J. Bullock was. Like he was on what WKRP in Cincinnati or one of those type shows, but I didn't realize he was famous enough to be on something called Hollywood Squares. Yeah, and he or was Paul Lind. Or Paul, like, Paul Lind was on Bewitched, but yeah. man, he he was the anchor of the like he was hilarious. He was the center square for like ten years yes, he on was. Hollywood Squares, and then you would get Joan Rivers. You got Vincent Price. I mean, you got <laughs> Vincent you know, Price. Vincent Price was on Hollywood Squares. Joan River, like you got decent talent on Hollywood Squares. Cause, you know, you would bring out like the comedic aspect of people. Like Vincent Price was pretty funny, pretty dry when he was on. Yeah. Um, and then um, the other one was Password. Password. I was a big fan of that. The password Dude. is. Didn't we used rhubarb. to have? <laughs> Didn't we used to have the little password game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the little decoder where you'd slide the thing. So it would keep it secret, and you looked at it. And then you had to yep. say one word and try to get somebody who would guess it. So the password is or rhubarb. And the celebrity would be like, pie. Vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you're playing it right. You're going to give them three clues, right? You're going to give them the first one, and they're going to, you know, they're going to add up to something. Sure. So that was a good one. Um. You know, and I, I left these off the list because these were more primetime game shows, which would be your Jeopardies, your Let's Make a Deal, and your Wheel of Fortune. And I think Hollywood Squares eventually moved from daytime to, to primetime. Prime yeah, yeah. I think it was on right after Jeopardy. Jeopardy's always been on at 7 o'clock. Like, for as long as I can remember, it has always been on at 7 yeah. o'clock, whether it's Jeopardy and the Wheel of Fortune. The, the second game had always changed, but I figured for as long as I can remember, I always thought Jeopardy was on at 7 o'clock. Speaking of, Steve, have you ever tried to do the Jeopardy test? No. Is I there a test to get on? Oh, yeah. You can take it online now. I consider myself to be very, very good at, at trivia games. Mm. But holy crap, my Renfrey and I, Renfrey's really good at just like esoteric trivia and stuff as well. We sat together and did the online test, and I think we got maybe a 40% on it. It was it was humbling, to say the least, when we tried to get on Jeopardy. But like I would just get Wait, on Wait, you, you by yourself got a 40 no, 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 no. The two of us together, like oh, sitting, wow. taking the test next to each other, combining our skills only got, I think, 40 out of 100 or something like that. Yeah. It no, was I'm hard. Not, I'm not. It's tricky. The best person I've ever been around trivia was Tim Hodes. When we used to go down and do the the NTN or whatever it was called, trivia, like yeah. in the bars, like on wing night, he would always win. Yeah, he was he was really good. Yeah. yeah. We do history, history and like, yeah. Um, Steve, if you, rem- if you remember correctly, I was a National Geography B state finalist for the state of Pennsylvania when I was I in seventh grade. I remember that. And I was also the only person to get the practice question wrong in the opening round. <laughs> <laughs> I still, dude, I still to this it's day remember they were stacked, that we were, we were listed alphabetically. And I, so I, as a wit, I was used to being last. And there was 12 of us sitting up at this like round table when the, the proctor was giving everybody and everybody in front of me got it, got the question right. And they gave it to me and I got it wrong. And you just hear one solitary, sarcastic clap. And it's, dad. Up, it's dad. It's dad with a big <laughs> smile on his face. And I was, I just turned to look Do you remember the question? I don't. I, I don't remember the question. I remember the question that I got right afterwards, but then I got – I think you only got three questions, and you had to get all three of them right in order to advance, and I got like two out of three. 
but I missed one, mm. so it didn't really matter. But I just remember the whole like little auditorium we were in in Harrisburg was completely silent, and I just hear one clap, and I just look up, and I just see Dad smiling at me, and I just gave him a big thumbs up from the from the stage, and he like then people started laughing. So yeah, it was a proud day. And the the whole reason I even got into the National Geography Bee was to spite one of the girls in my class. Like one of the girls in my class, she was like, "You're too stupid to take that test anyway." And I took the test, and I got like ninety eight out of a hundred. It was like the highest of the local kids that took it I ended up in the paper and stuff like that it was like <laughs> local kid makes it to the National Geography V State Finals and stuff and then the whole reason I did it was despite Heidi Alexa who told me I would never be able to pass the test so there you go it. suck it Heidi there you go and then you went and what? And then whatever I didn't did win. win I didn't <laughs> win and I got Doesn't my matter practice. how many people from Erie went None. There was one from Erie. One there was me from Erie. There was I think there was one from Northeast, and then there was one from like Mercer or yeah. one of the ones down like towards Pittsburgh. But that was it from like the western western part of the state. So all right. So serious question from your primary and secondary education all the way up through twelfth grade. Was there a bigger achievement than making finals in the or making it to the geography? What do you mean bigger achievement like than that? Yeah, I graduated, like, I think, 20th in my class. No, (laughs) no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, was that it? Was that, like, the pinnacle of your competitive academic career? Sure. Yeah, I didn't do any competitive. I didn't do anything academically competitive. I wasn't on, like, the math club or anything in high school. So, yes, I guess if you want to talk about it, there wasn't a whole lot to choose from of my academic competitiveness. So, yeah. Yeah, I would. Yes, I guess. I still have the article from the Erie paper that was written about me. Because the only thing it says is, like, how are you preparing? I was like, I'm watching Jeopardy with my old man. <laughs> well, there was, you go. He was proud. All right. Did you have any others? Did I cover what was on your list? No. You didn't even hit on any of the ones on my list. Oh, really? Supermarket Sweep? Oh, yeah. Come on, man. I watched that show religiously, and every time someone started and didn't go for the diapers or the turkeys or the hams right away, you would just start yelling at the team. Okay. We should remind the audience. What was the – I remember it, but it was a little bit after. What was the uh, premise? Supermarket Sweep, they would start with, like, trivia questions. It was like, you know, this is the most popular brand of whatever, and every question you got right was, like, another 10 seconds you got in the supermarket. And then at the base grand finale was you got a shopping cart and however much time you got allocated you had to try to spend as much money as possible and you had to like fill up a cart but you had to bring it back to the register and then you could get another cart and run back out and then it had it had to cross the finish line in order to be counted right in order to be counted and we we by the time i think it was jen and i our sister that used to watch it religiously so you knew that the big ticket items were like baby formula diapers they had these like these huge racks of lamb that were super expensive Mm -hmm. there was like turkeys that were super expensive so you knew the people that actually like paid attention you would yell at the people that are going for like cans of soup like dude those are like (laughs) 50 cents a piece and like they take up too much space but i'd love to love love that show and i don't remember what the guy's name was but he hosted a bunch of game shows back in the day so supermarket sweep was probably my favorite of all time like again i'm being a little bit contrarian because i love jeopardy and i loved a lot of those ones but second double dare man 
Double Dare oh, was yeah. one of my like I'm yeah. mad. I'm mad that I never made it on that show. Like when they came to Erie to do tryouts, I missed it. And they do a whole episode on the Goldbergs about that, Steve. Like they actually built they built like a trial run. Like Adam and all his friends built like this whole kind of like test course and stuff like that. They do a whole episode. And Mark Summer Especially now, because he's a local, he's local Philly. He has like a production company in Philly, and he's always on this morning show that I listen to a lot called President Steve. He is hysterical when he talks about the the series of Double Dare, and like parents used to come up and scream at him after the show was over if the kids didn't win and stuff like that. And he doesn't take himself too seriously, so I would put I'd put Double Dare up there. So David uh, Ruprecht was the uh supermarket sweep yeah yeah i can see that where did it run it ran from it, well, 19... there was actually a, a version that started back in the when you look it up back in the 60s oh geez there was a 65 to 67 bill malone did it and then it came back from 1990 to 95 and then 2000 2003 okay i was a huge huge do you want to be a millionaire when it first came out I love that oh, show. Oh, yeah. You know that, what? You want to talk about a cultural phenomenon. For and, like, and let's make uh, Deal or No Deal. Deal or No Deal. Well, like, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire kind of restarted all of the, you know, the, the game show. Like, Deal or No Deal exists because Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was yeah, yeah. so Prime time, big. Extra, like, people watching. Like, yeah. oh, my God, is that guy going to win the million dollars? Yeah, exactly. So I put that up there. And plus, Regis was such a good host because he, he just rooted for everybody. And I, I would put up there. And there's one, that other one from uh, Nickelodeon that you probably don't know because it was a little bit after your time. There was one called Legends of the Hidden Temple. I love that show. It was like part yeah, trivia, yeah. part part obstacle course but it was like set in like this old it was supposed to be like this indiana jones type thing where you had to like swing from vines and stuff like that i loved 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 that show they tried to reboot it a few times but it was it wasn't as good and then there's just there was one more and i gotta i don't remember what the actual name of it was yeah and let's not forget (sighs) starcade which we talked about in episode six of season six which was the answer trivia question is did you get to play arcade games? Yep, was, I do remember that. That was a good one, yeah. Uh, what was... So there's one... I'm trying to look up the name right now, but it was originally called Takeshi's Castle, and it was... The, the guys bought the, the rights to it and then re-released it, and they dubbed all of the, the Japanese people with American, with American accents. All right, I got to figure out... I forget it's like the the catchphrase was "Don't get eliminated." Do you know what I'm talking about, Steve? I gotta no. find it. Hold on. It was the the original show was called Takeshi's Castle, but it was they bought the rights like super. Oh, it's Most Extreme Elimination Challenge or MXC. It was on like mm. uh, FX when it first started, or oh no, it was on Fox. So it was they didn't change the game. Oh yeah, they, what was the? It was able to buy the which, rights. Good. No, what was the one where they it was similar to that? Where it was like, like extreme challenges, like you have to put your hand in a thing of spiders. Oh, uh, fear, fear factor, fear factor. Yeah, that was another one. That was that was Joe Rogan originally hosted that one, and I think they tried oh, to right. reboot that with Ludacris was the host for a little bit. Right. I I actually auditioned to be on. Well, I I sent in an application to be on Fear Factor because 
I don't really have a lot of like spiders don't bother me, snakes don't bother me. Like Erin always laughs at me. She gets mad because I, I I don't want to kill spiders. I just pick them up and I take them outside just because, mm-hmm. dude. If spiders are in your house, it means they're eating the other bugs. It's the right. same thing with centipedes. Like they're predatory animals, so they're oh, killing we have all the other. So ones. many. Spiders yeah. around our new house. You're in the Pacific the Northwest, man. And we it's live cool. out in the country. It was like crazy. There's spiders everywhere. Yeah. pretty cool. You would actually know Mosul's Extreme Elimination Challenge if you looked it up. Like, I loved that show. But Probably. he bought he bought the rights. To, the American producer bought the rights dirt cheap. And, like, it had run in Japan for a long, long mm-hmm. time. And so he bought it, and then he just... He dubbed it over. Like, it didn't... Like, they just played the game show, and it was this them, like, almost mystery science theatering... The original show. I love, mm. love that show. So, But other than that, no, not a whole lot of other ones. You hit on the big win, ones. Win, like, lose, or draw was another good one. Yeah. That was, Particularly yeah. if you had the good celebrities like that. where they were drawing. Just, who was out, the that one was that I think they accidentally drew a penis? They were supposed to be drawing like something <laughs> else. And then they looked and like, they ended up having to black it out during repeats. Just because when they first, they first aired it, like then people started like calling the... FCC it was like this is vulgar and blah blah blah. But so when we're talking about game shows, do like Chopped and Master Chef mm. and and those ones count? No, I would put those in competitive cooking. We can do a whole thing on competitive cooking, like Iron Chef, <laughs> Top Chef, Master Chef, Chopped. Um, what was yeah. the, what was that one? Uh, Cutthroat Kitchen with the Alton Brown one. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah. We could I had to cook an show. omelet on like this broken frying pan. Yeah. Was, like that was pretty extreme. Yeah, um, there's a ton of them now. I mean, everybody's got one. I um, like you asked if I ever watched like the cooking channel. Like that's all Aaron and I usually watch <laughs> for the most part. Like we don't get into it. Like we watch MasterChef a lot now, but we used to always watch Chopped was one of my favorite shows, and I would always ask her like, Aaron's a fantastic cook, so like anytime it would come up like, what would you make and blah blah blah. So we used to but play no. that with the kids when we lived in Virginia. Like, for fun, the kids would want to play chops, so we would give them, like, leftovers and stuff. And, like, all right, we've got noodles, <laughs> meatloaf. goat cheese, or whatever. <laughs> goat um, cheese and meatloaf. Make Charlie them. always made a smoothie Ugh. and, like, a pizza or something. Like, he would just put whatever in a blender, and then he would, uh, he would make uh, something on a piece of toast, and that would be his thing. No matter what we gave him, it would be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking through the list. There's not a whole lot. Like, name that tune, I guess. I used to like that. But, like, even when those were I mean, Remote it, Control ooh, on MTV with yep. – that was Sandler, Dennis Leary. No. Uh, who was the host uh, with was, the curly hair? It wasn't Dennis Leary, was it? it was Dennis Colin. Leary played, like, the caveman with the bad hip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leary and Sandler I, were both, like – they were, like, extras. Like I was thinking the, Colin Quinn. That's He was, Colin like, Quinn. Co- co-host and Kari Wurr was – Yeah, yeah. And who yeah. was the who was the host, Steve? Don't look it That's up. I was going to say it was Steve. Um, no, I don't think um, it was Steve. It with, with, had curly hair. Yeah, uh, not Corbett. It was Steve. O O something. Steve. Oh. Um, no, nope. Ken O'Brien. Ken. No. Ken. No, it was Ken. Ken. Ken is right. Ken. Not Stabler. <laughs> no, not the quarterback it's, for the Raiders. <laughs> Ken. I can picture his face. Ober. Ken Ober. Ken yes. Ober. I forgot how great that show was. Now yeah, that you bring it up, yeah, I'd put that in my top five of all time. Yeah, it's yeah. just because it was so weird and so funny, and it was all like pop culture that I was into at the time, and it was it was it was like Jeopardy for pop culture, but like really low budget. Yeah, didn't they get to sit and like 
chairs, but, like yeah, Burka loungers. And when you got eliminated, you got thrown through the wall. Or you got flipped backwards through the wall, and like the guys would come out and like kill you and stuff. Oh man, it was so good. I'm looking at it right now. I miss that show. I think they tried to reboot that too, and it didn't work. But yeah, Kari War. I used to have such a crush on her. Yeah, me too. Wasn't she in um, like the reboot of Beastmaster or something? Probably. I know she was in Kissing a Fool with David Schwimmer and Jason Lee. She was the one that. David Schwimmer had the affair with. Oh, right. But yeah, man, I didn't even, I forgot about that one. I should have put that on my list. But yeah, Supermarket Sweep, Double Dare, Remote Control, Jeopardy, and win Ben Stein's money before I realized Ben Stein was a piece of crap. Oh, was he? What was wrong with him? Oh, Ben Stein? Oh, he's a huge right-wing Republican. He thinks everybody's dumber than him. And he's, mm. Wasn't he like one of the prosecuting attorneys in Watergate or one of the defense attorneys in Watergate? I don't know. I'm still looking yeah. at remote control. Weird <laughs> Al was on. Look at the cast, like people that the celebrities they had on here. Sure. But that Weir- was Sandler. Weird was... Al Yankovic, David Cohn, the pitcher for like the Mets. Yep. Boomer Esiason. LL Cool J. Lorraine I Lewis. That, I believe that was Adam Sandler's first show, like before he got. Ju- oh, yeah, uh, and SNL. Julie Brown, like, not downtown Julie Brown, it. the redhead. Yeah, the, the other Julie, Julie Brown. Brown. <laughs> yeah, not the not the wubble 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 girl. Right. Yeah. Who else is on here? Alicia Coppola. She was a yeah. host of something. Ben Ben Stein's political career. He was a speechwriter and lawyer for Nixon. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Time magazine. In May of nineteen or May of nineteen seventy six, Time magazine speculated on the possibility of Stein actually having been deep throat. <laughs> well there you go. Yeah, Woodward Woodward Bernstein said they accused they accused him of it and they falsified his favorite source. Yeah. But anyways. Kari War was in Beastmaster two. Ooh. I I think I stopped after Beastmaster One. <laughs> there was enough of whatever his name is in uh in a loincloth. Brian Singer, David Singer? Brian Singer. Mark, Mark Singer. Mark Singer. Yeah, you're right. Mark Singer. Yeah, no. Brian Singer was the... The rapist. <laughs> I think that's a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, celebrity, the Celebrity Jeopardy count is one of my favorite game shows yeah, of all time. Easily. Yeah. But that, that's all I got. All right. That'll put a bow on Season 7, Episode 7 of Match Wits. Please go ahead and give us a review uh, at any of your podcasting app, your app of choice. Uh, download, listen, uh, share it with your friends. Um, follow us on Twitter at MatchWits. I think we're up to like 20. Oh, I should see where we're at in terms of followers. I think we're going to like, based oh, yeah. on how, how much we gave positive props to the importance of Twitter on this episode. <laughs> uh, how do we even tell how many followers you have? I'm not saying more than 20, I'll tell you that much. But follow us on Twitter or follow me on Twitter. I'm at Acquired Wit on Twitter and Instagram. 23 followers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, or go to our website, matchwits.com. Until next time, Chris takes out. I bid you adieu. All right, later, brother. See you, brother.